Oh, it's a blessing to be with you guys today. And even though it's raining and I'm wearing a jacket, it's not because I'm trying to be fancy. I'm a Floridian and I just don't want to freeze. And so, um, but I'll be fancy for you today. It's such a blessing to be with you. When I came up here uh, yesterday, last night, I stood behind the podium and I said, man, we've added inches to this thing. And, um, and the, so I asked one of our production guys and they're like, no, no, you've just gotten shorter. And so, <laughs> but it is such a blessing to be with you guys today. And it is such a blessing to be able to take that uh, next part in our mini series on things that matter. And when Pastor David asked that question this past week, you know, all of these things came to mind on things that really matter in life. And and I know from my own life that things that mattered before Christmas are different than they are in the new year, except the eternal things that God has put in place that are to matter to us in any situation, in any place. And so today, we, we look at the true things that matter. We are going to be challenged by God's word. And I, I believe that it will challenge you just as much as it challenged me uh, this week. But Pastor, Dave, when, or Pastor David, when he taught last week, he talked about the things that matter. And when I summarized it, the teaching, um, I saw that things that matter was the view of God, the things that we know about God's faithfulness. Today, don't you know that God is faithful in every situation? He is a faithful God. And uh, then he challenged us to journal. And uh, here's just a few of my journals over the last couple of years. And so when I started marking in here, and I'll be honest with you, I missed the first day. Don't tell Pastor David. Uh, And so, but when I came into it, right away I saw that there was an empty page. There was an empty page. And when I looked at that, I started looking back at times over the year. I, I sometimes, some of the things in here I, I really smiled about. I got so excited. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. That, that's something that's just going to help me this year. But then when I started looking too, is I, I got to see a lot of the pain too. I got to see a lot of things that were, I just had a lot of questions. I got to see, as then I even flipped back on things from yesterday and years ago, I got to see questions about, Lord, what are we going to do in our home? I saw notes of, of pain, of struggles that my wife was having with cancer. I got to then flip a couple pages and see other days, another different kind of cancer that she dealt with. And you know what started happening? I started getting distracted. I wasn't able to really look forward to what God had. And so I had to deal with that. But then when I turned to the page again, remembering the faithfulness of God, I had a blank page knowing that it was going to be something new. Today, when we look at God's faithfulness, we have to remember what God has given us, things that matter, Our time here on earth matters a lot to God. And we must use our time wisely because time matters so much. You want a little bit of a glimpse of the things that I'm going to be talking about? It's the three things that matter the most looking forward at what God has. 
Not only are we to look at God's faithfulness like we learned last week, but we're to use our time, we're to love God, and then we are to love other people. But Moses even, he kind of journaled about this as well in an encouragement. And actually, this is the oldest psalm in the scriptures. In Psalm 90, 90, 12, it says that teach us to number our days and to recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. And so when I look at this, I I know that there's a beginning and an end. And a lot of times in my journaling, they just kind of continue on. There's multiple days that I have on each page, but they just kind of continue from year to year. But when we look at a beginning and an end to the year of 2023, knowing that there's a new, fresh day ahead of us, But the time that we use is important because time goes by fast. When I think to myself that I've been here at this church for almost 30 years, I remember my my parents coming in with four kids. And now when I open the door and come in, I come in with four kids. It is like uh, time goes by fast. Fast. But how we use our time, it really matters to God. And so when we use our time to the fullest, we have to keep a forward focus, not always looking back. Yes, the things of the past that should catapult us into the future, the great things, but not the things that are going to hold us back. And so keeping a forward focus that we must not let the past problems distract us from the present. If I were to have a journal of when I was a kid before I had received Jesus Christ, I would look at all of those things. I'd be like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, those silly things. The time that I bit my brother in the back, and then not only did I bite him, but then I blamed it on himself. He bit himself. How do you do that? The silly, really stupid things. But then when I look back as well, I I remember those times where I just missed it. Or I did not trust God the right way. And so we have to leave those things in the past by keeping a forward focus. Because today is a new day. And for those that have received Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. Look at what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. And the old has gone. The new is here. Welcome to 2024. The new is here today. And not only do we have a new year, but every single day, we've got a blank page. It's new. I don't know what's going to be in it. But I know that it's a new thing and it needs to be used fully for the Lord. And so Paul, knowing this, and Paul, we know that, oh my gosh, if we, if we look at his journal of where he was, Paul had done some things that were horrible. He participated in murders. He persecuted the church. He hated Jesus. But he had become a new creation when he received the grace of God that it could come into his life. And so Paul makes this statement we see in Philippians 3.13. And it says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do is I forget what is behind 
straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to which the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, any runners in here, anybody that took track in school, what is the number one thing that they teach you right away? Don't look behind. Because when you look behind, not only does it slow you down, but it trips you up. I love watching those YouTube videos of somebody that looked behind in a race. <laughs> ah, they fell. Uh, all of those different things. But Paul takes it to a whole different level. He says, just don't, don't look behind, but you have to strain towards what is ahead. And when they teach you how to run a race, that last moment, you give it your all. You are straining it. You're using every muscle in your body. You're stretching out. But what Paul says is, you know what? We don't do that just with every day. We do that as we are straining towards eternity, towards heaven. So today, we are going to learn from the scriptures of how to give it all to God today. And so we're to press forward, but we're to leave the past in the past. When we leave the past in the past, not only are we moving forward with Christ, but we eliminate those distractions of the world. Top things that distract us, we remember from this last year. Those things that don't matter or the things that should not matter. But life is filled with those things that one day meant a lot and the next day means nothing. I have issues. I am nostalgic. I am always looking at things from the past. I love watching old YouTube videos on commercials that happened when I was a kid. I remember getting that Happy Meal. Those silly little things. Well, I came across something that I probably shouldn't have that I should have thrown away. And anybody have one of these in their wallet years ago? <laughs> TJ Buckingham on the back. And I remember I got this card that meant so much to me the same day that I got my driver's license. I drove there. I was old enough. And that was before kids, you know, a lot of times kids don't even want to get their driver's license anymore. Oh, wait until I'm 17, 18. No, I was in line that day. And so I, I have this card here, and it reminds me of moments that, you know, I was so excited about walking into Blockbuster. I was excited about getting that movie, and I was excited because I felt older having this card. Now, what is this card worth today? Absolutely nothing. I should not have it, but I'm going to put it back in my pocket because I have issues. You remember those times when you were like, you were returning that video, and you're like, did I, did I, did I rewind it? Am I going to be penalized? Or you get there and you're like, I'm getting this movie, and guess what? They don't have it. Well, guess what? Today, what do you do? You just search it online, and two seconds is there. Little better, isn't it? But that nostalgia side of things is something that also that we can deal with. It's not just the problems. It's not just the circumstances or the things that we did against Christ. It is the things that, you know, we remember from the past, and those moments were wonderful. And sometimes I deal with, I had a really wonderful childhood, like wonderful. And I'll look back, and I'm like, man, those were good days. 
and I'll miss the mark because I'm always thinking of things in the past. But Paul says to press forward, to move forward, not allow those things of the past to really trip us up. And so today we are going to learn from a man of the past who always looked forward. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to uh, the book of Numbers, and we're going to be looking at Numbers chapter 13. And (laughs) what blew my mind last week as Pastor David was teaching was, you know, we talked about like what the miniseries was going to be. We came up with the title, and that's it. And so when he opened up the Bible and he starts talking about the Israelites, my eyes got big because I was like, I think the Lord wants me to talk about the Israelites. And then he left off pretty much exactly where we're going to be picking up. Now, that wasn't planned by me, but by God. So we're going to learn today from the life of Caleb. And if you remember from last week, the Israelites, they were there. They were at the territory. They were ready to conquer the land. And yet we, rem- we look at the book of Numbers that there was something that held them back. And so after they left Egypt being led by Moses, they stop and they get to that land. And we see in Numbers that Moses sent out 12 spies, one from each tribe, to go into the land to look at it. Because remember that promise that they had heard over and over in their life that God had provided them a land. It was their land. It was their inheritance. And it was filled with milk and honey. That it was a great promise from God. That that was theirs. And so when Moses sends in these 12 spies, he does it to just try to, is this exactly what God said? I know he's brought us out of Egypt, but here we are to receive our inheritance. And we see in Numbers 13, 26, we see that those 12 men come back and they have different reports. Verse 26, they came back to Moses and to Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh and in the desert of Paran, and they reported to them and to the whole assembly, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. So we see right there that these 12 spies... They saw that the promise of God was true, that the fruit was amazing, that it was just as God had said. But then we see these 10 spies start to speak a little bit more. They said that the fruit was there, that there was a promise, but then they started looking within and around, verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak. And that, that, if you look in the scripture, you see that name. And what you see is you see other names with it. The Nephilim, you see giants. These were big people. And so they started telling this. Yeah, it's it's wonderful, but it's going to be too hard for us. But there is cities But these men, there is no way. And that spirit of fear started coming over the Israelites. When that was happening, Caleb stands up. 
We'll see here in verse 30. And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go and take up the possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land that we explored devours those that live in it. All the people that we saw were of great size. We saw the Nephilim. And look here what it says here. It says that we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And they looked at us as the same. You see, when they saw these people, you see that that fear coming over them. And then they pass it on to the whole group of Israelites. We see two million people that are being affected by this. Yes, God has his promise of the land being good is wonderful, but it's too big. It's too big for us. And when that started going out, we see here in Joshua 14, 8, it says that, but my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. Fear keeps us right where we are. Fear does not allow us to move forward. Fear is something that we look in and we look around. But God has called you and I as believers to really look up. Because yes, the promise was there that the land was great, but they had forgotten because of fear the promise that also was associated with that, that God was going to be there for them. Now, when I was a kid, I I really struggled with fear. And fear has been something that I have continuously struggled with. It'll just kind of jump in, and and I'll struggle with it. And so at an early age in my church and in in our Christian school, I learned this scripture that has been with me from that moment and has been a bedrock. My life verse, it's written on my Bible on the outside of it. And that's Joshua 1.9. The book of Joshua at the very beginning, <laughs> it says three times this scripture pretty much over in the first chapter. Why do you think it does that? Because God had to continuously tell Moses, or tell Joshua, excuse me, over and over to not fear, to be strong. We see that all throughout that book. But Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you to be strong, to be courageous, to not be afraid, discouraged or dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou go. That God is with you, that promise, but also that command not to fear. Because when fear comes in, we're just there. We're not able to move forward. Now, The scriptures of God, those promises are things that we need to hear over and over and over again. That reminder that God is always with us. uh, I always do this every year, is that I look at you version, what the verse of the year was. 
YouVersion's verse of the year, they calculated how many times this scripture was searched. And the verse of the year was Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, why would believers go to this this passage over and over millions, 200 million different times? Because they needed to be reminded of that promise that, yes, fear is real, but, yes, our God is bigger, our God is stronger, and God did not give us a spirit of fear because our God is always with us. Over this past week when I did look back at the past and I, I looked back and I was reflecting on all those moments of God's faithfulness, I was reminded of times when, when I did feel alone. When my wife was having cancer and was struggling with that, I remember looking back and being like, oh, Lord, you know, you're, you're faithful, you're faithful. And, and I would read here. And I remember I had put in, the, in my journal how thankful I was that God was with me. Because, you know, sometimes when you go into a room, you can tell. You can tell on the face of people if they are a believer in Jesus Christ, if they have received that promise. And being in rooms where my wife was going through surgeries or going through treatments or going through chemo, all of those things. And you would see the face of people and you'd be like, all right, they have that hope. But then you would see others. They do not. But that hope is there for you and it is for me. That is a promise from God that he will never leave you. I don't know what's going to be on this book, what's going to be written throughout this year, but I know that whatever it is, my God is with me. And I know that for you as well, that our God is faithful and that he is with you. I have this in my um, office. (laughs) It's just a wood carving. It's fun. But it's a wood carving of Joshua and Caleb. And what they have in between them is the fruit. They believed in the promise of God. It was a choice to believe. You have a choice every single day to believe in the promise of God. That he is with you. That he is for you. That he has a plan for your life. And that he wants to use you. And so today... As I have this in my office, and I don't have this in my office because I think it's cool. I have this in my office because I have to be reminded. Today I choose to be different. Today I choose to receive the promise that God is with me. And his promises, they're good. And that's a promise for you today as well. So let's go ahead and I'm going to stay with this story, but we're going to turn to the book of Joshua. If you would turn to the book of Joshua Chapter 14, and we'll be starting with verse 6. A little bit of a recap. You'll see this in the scripture too, is that at that moment, when those spies gave that report and the whole group of Israelites had kind of melted in fear and they, they did not want to receive the promises of God, we see that God could not use that generation And so he did not allow that generation to enter into the promised land. 
all but two were able to, Joshua and Caleb, because they believed God. So that generation had, has now passed, and now they have entered into the land, and they are starting to conquer it. They are conquering it. But here we see at this moment, Caleb comes into the picture again. Verse 6. And now the people of Judea approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Genephetheth, and the Canaanite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, about you and about me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me into Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought back a report according to my convictions. But the fellow Israelites went up with me. They made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on the day that Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord your God wholeheartedly. We see here the reward of faithfulness is to receive the promise of God. And so we see this man coming up and reminding Joshua of that inheritance that he was about to receive. And so we see here in in verse 10, and now then, and this is Caleb speaking, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since that time Moses said this. The whole Israelites, all of Israel moved about the wilderness. So I am here today, 85 years old, and I am still as strong today as the day that Moses sent me out. Just as I am vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. In verse 12, now give me this hill country that the Lord has promised me that day. Some of your translations will say, give me this mountain. At 85 years old, Caleb is speaking up. At 85 years old, most of the time, people are willing away their mountains. They're willing it away. They're letting it go. They're passing it on. But 85 years old, this man is saying, I want a new mountain to conquer because God had promised it to me. Life is really meant to be lived. Church, we ain't dead yet. Anybody? Well, I hope not. Everybody breathing in here? We ain't dead. We're not dead. But we see here in the book of Numbers, chapter 14, verse 24, we see this man. He's just different. Caleb is just a different cat. But I love what it says. It says, because my servant Caleb... He has a different spirit, and he follows me wholeheartedly, and I will bring him into the land that he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. What did we see when the the generation of the people that were melting in fear, their descendants did not receive because of the fear, but the faithfulness that we see with Caleb, that faithfulness was then passed down 
to, this, uh, to his kids, that generation. Today, we see there that he had a different spirit. That doesn't mean a, a weirdo spirit. But a different spirit. And we see vigor. We see enthusiasm come out of his, out of his mouth. Six times in the scriptures does it refer to Caleb as a man who wholeheartedly followed God. When I think of that different spirit, I really do think of enthusiasm. I think of that enthusiasm for life, for every moment, for time that God has given us. And we see Paul really talk about that. And he says in Romans 12, verse 11, he says, never be lazy. But work hard to serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Enthusiasm. No one in this world should be more enthusiastic about life than believers. Why? Because we know how it's going to end. We know who is with us and who is for us. And we also know that heaven is in our future. Let's be excited about enthusiasm for Jesus Christ. Next week, when Pastor Dave shares about the vision of our church, where we're going together as believers, I'm excited because I know that we we have to be excited about what God has for us. Because if not, he wouldn't have given us this day. But that different spirit that we see, only gets better. We see here in verse 12 again, give me this hill country that the Lord has promised me this day. You yourself heard it when the Anakites were there and and that their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. The promise of God, that enthusiasm that enthusiasm for life of saying, give me this mountain at 85 years old. Years ago, I, I believe it was like 15, maybe 20 years ago, I, I gifted my father um, a gift of, of taking a hike. There is an area in the Smoky Mountains called Mount LeConte. And Mount LeConte, it's actually a, a lodge, it's a primitive lodge, at the very top of the mountain. There's no electricity, there's no running water. And so what you do is, you hike up to it, and it's about a five-hour hike to get up to it. And so I gifted my dad with this, and so we hiked up together. We were so excited about it. And about halfway through, I'm leaning on a rock, <laughs> breathing or trying to breathe. And I am trying to catch my breath, and I look down at my dad, and he's laying on the ground. And uh, I, was, I had babies in diapers. I had babies that weren't even born yet. But I was leaning against this rock, and I was like, man, that was a horrible idea. I'm going to have to, my dad's going to have to carry me down. And so I'm thinking about this in my mind, and then when I'm leaning against that rock, I started hearing clunk, 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 and I was like, oh my gosh, what is coming up this mountain? And right around the turn, I started, all right, here it comes, here it comes. And I thought for sure it was going to be a robot. And because all I could hear was metal clinking, And when it turned around, there was this guy, and he had braces on his legs. 
He had crutches on his arm. And I'm not good with age, but he was older than me. He was a senior. He was older. And he is just moving along. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he didn't have a backpack, so I know he wasn't staying the night. He was planning on going back down that night. I'm like, man, this guy. So I'm leaning there just breathing and breathing. He looks at me, and he smiles. And I'm like, you jerk, you know? <laughs> my dad has his eyes closed just praying to Jesus. And I am, I'm looking at him like, and then I'm like, he ain't looking at me. He says, give me this mountain, and he was enthusiastically taking it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Lord, help us. At the, after the first service, a gentleman came up to me, and he's like, I'm 90 years old today, and God's given me a new call. I'm going to be a leader in this small group. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh. Lord Jesus, help us to have that different spirit. Because when we want all that God has for us, and that is something that I do ask myself every day, I want all that you have for me, Lord. I want nothing more, and I want nothing less. I don't want my eyes on something that are not for me, but I want all that you do have. Because when we want all that God has today, we are not limited by the physical. It's that different spirit. God has made you. He's given you time. Let's take the mountain that he has for us every single day. Time matters. Caleb is not thinking about the limitations. He's thinking about the power of God. And the power of God was extremely evident when Jesus said this. He said that Jesus looked at them and he said, with man, this is absolutely impossible, but with God, all things are possible. But church today, it starts with with God. Do I have limitations? Oh, yeah. But with God, he will do mighty, mighty things. Church, when we think like the world thinks, we will be bound by the world's limitations. But when we have that different spirit and we think like God thinks, receiving the promises of God, oh, my gosh. We will see amazing things. So be confident in that confident hope that God is with you, he is for you, and he has no limitations. But moving forward as we look at this, I, I love that the legacy continued. There's a legacy of fear. It does get passed on. But then there's a legacy of believing God and believing in the power of God. And so You'll see here on the screen, and this is an encouragement to you, but it's also an encouragement to me because I want this so badly. Let's leave a legacy of impossible possibilities. Because truly, with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. So let's leave a new legacy today. Every moment. You know, I can be enthusiastic about the future. Now, when I watch the news, <laughs> not so much. But when I see young people in our church stand up to go to youth group, excited about learning about God, when I get the privilege of being able to walk into Bible classes at our school, the academy, 
And when I know what God is doing, knowing like just how I learned that verse in Joshua 1.9 when I was in second grade and that verse was with me, it was a bedrock of my life, that that is what our kids here are getting. And I see a different spirit in their life and in their eyes, but I want that for me as well. Because I know that God is not done with the generations that are here, and God is doing something amazing with the generations that are going to leave. And you know, tomorrow, or at 3 o'clock a.m., we have 11th graders that are going to be all going to Mexico on a missions trip. And then we see our senior high, the whole senior high, we're talking 200-plus students, they're going on these retreats and things that God is doing. They are being used by God in an early age, getting to experience these amazing things. We'll have missions trips here at our church for all of our kids to be able to be involved in. But there is impossible possibilities with God. We see here in verse 13, as we kind of finish here, it says that when Joshua, then he blessed Caleb, he gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron belongs to Caleb because he followed the Lord, there his God, wholeheartedly. Things that matter today, you'll see here underlined on the screen, other people passing off. It didn't just say this was for Caleb, but it was an inheritance for his children as well and for that generation and that Caleb was such a man of God, and when he was passing on to his kids, we see in the scriptures that his daughter was a woman of faith, and his son-in-law became a leader of Israel. And we see that take place. And the, what we have to do is make sure that we are keeping the priority, the priority, the focus, the focus, and people are the focus of with, with God. And, and he says that the gospel matters today in their life. Jesus would say, these things matter the most in Matthew 22. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment, he was asked. And Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Today in a world where Self-love is encouraged. Self-care is encouraged. Self-idolatry is encouraged. Those aren't horrible. Well, self-idolatry is horrible. But those other things, they need to take place too. But that's what the culture says. But what God says is that people, and to reach people, we have to have that selfless attitude. Because not only do people matter, but where they end up matters most. So our last point that we have today is the things that matter. Eternity. Eternity matters a lot. How do we know that in the scriptures? Because God sent his one and only son so that we may have eternity with him. He gave his most important to you and to me, so that his creation could know him. His creation could then spend eternity with him forever. So when Paul says that we are to strain, to strive towards what is ahead, give it our all, it is heavenward. 
because heaven and eternity matter. Today, I'd, I'd like us to ask, you know, let's just close our eyes just for a moment and just reflect. And if you would, just close your eyes and bow your head. Eternity. It matters. But eternity does not start without Jesus coming to this earth and giving his life for you and for me. The blood of Jesus was that invitation for people to be able to receive. But as Jesus came, he came for everyone, for all of us. But what is the difference? It's receiving him. It's believing in him. Today, if as you've heard this today, and you see the things that matter, know that you matter to God. You matter so much to God. Not only did he create you, but he gave his son for you. He loves you. And you've never received that love? I want to ask, as all of our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, that's where you're at right now, and you just need that. If you have not been following God and putting him as the focus, would you say this prayer with me? Just say it to yourself. This is to God. It is not to me. But just say this prayer. Lord, I need a change. Lord, I need you. Jesus, would you come into my life? Thank you, what you did on the cross for me. I receive your love. And Lord, I ask that you will help me to live for you. I put you number one. Help me, Lord, in this process. But thank you, Lord, for what you have done. And thank you, Lord, for eternity with you and with your son forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, congratulations. It's exciting to be able to know that we'll spend eternity in heaven forever together. If you said that prayer, I would like to encourage you to, to stay afterwards at the end of the service. We'll have prayer partners down here, and they're here to pray with you. They're also here to pray with needs that you might have in your life. So just stay afterwards. We would love to be able to spend that time together. And I'll be here too, and I look forward to just shaking your hand and, and saying congratulations. Now at this time, we're going to be pausing and reflecting, and, and uh, then we're going to take communion together. So those of you that are online right now, um, we need to make sure that you have something to take communion with. So as the band plays, grab some juice, grab some water, grab a cracker, whatever you have at home to be able to celebrate. But at this time, if you would stand up, and as you stand up, let's hold these elements in our hand, and let's remember what we're celebrating, what Jesus did for us the plan that he has for us, and also that wonderful promise that he'll never forsake us, that he's always there. Let's worship together.
as we uh, hold this cup in our hands, Lord, we're reminded of your faithfulness. Lord, you promised that you would send a Savior to this world. And Lord, as all of your promises, Lord, you followed through. And you sent your son, Jesus, to go to the cross in our place. Church, if you would, we'll go ahead and take out the bread. And as you take out the bread, remember what this represents. This represents the body of Jesus, the body of our Savior, who went to the cross in our place. Sometimes, you know, when we, we do this every month or some people do it more uh, frequently, we forget this was for you. This was for me. This was for my children. This was for my, if, if God tarries, for my children's children. Today, as we hold this, we remember what Jesus did on the night of his betrayal, right for those moments that he would go to the cross. He took the bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks, and he said, this is for you. Today, this is for you. Receive it if you would. And if you would, go ahead and uh, take the cup with the juice. You don't have to open it up all the way. I've, I've made that mistake many times. Just enough to be able to receive the element. But this cup, in the same way Jesus, after the dinner was finished, he took the cup and he said, this cup, it represents my blood. It was the blood of Jesus that has purified us. It was that sacrifice and so today, let's lift this up to our Lord and give thanks. Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the blood. Thank you for your son. Thank you for what he's done for me. Thank you, Lord, for what he's done for us. And Lord, today we take this in remembrance of you. We take this, Lord, also knowing, Lord, what this represents. Lord, thank you. Let's take the cup together. And if you would, uh, let's lift up both of our hands. <laughs> I want a different spirit. And that different spirit is not what the world can give, only what God can give. And so when we lift up our hands, let's ask God to fill us today to go before us. As we look at a blank sheet this week, ask God to fill. Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord, we want that different spirit. We want that enthusiasm, Lord. Today, Lord, if, if, if that's something that we have not been doing, Lord, would you just fill us right now anew? We are a new creation in you. And, Lord, we ask, Lord, to be filled with that different spirit. Lord, just fill us now. Thank you, Lord, for that spirit. And, Lord, I ask also, Lord, that you will go before us. We have no idea what's in front of us this week. But, Lord, you do, and we ask that your power will go before us because, Lord, we know that your power, it is limitless, Lord, and we ask, Lord, that you will just go before us. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you again for this time. And before I, I say amen, just a real quick reminder, for those of you that said that prayer, stay afterwards. If you're in need of prayer, stay afterwards. Our prayer partners are here to pray with you. You don't have to wait for prayer week. Also, if you're new, go out into the comments. Stop by the center ring. We would love to get a chance to meet you.
go ahead and sign up for those groups and do life together. And also, we want to thank you, Lord, for going before us again. We love you. In Jesus' name, we all said amen, amen. Just a reminder real quick that we do have offering boxes that are set up outside for those to continue to give. Happy New Year. I love you guys. Have a great week.